Welcome to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Today we'll learn about a couple who struggled through mistakes, heartaches, misunderstandings, and even disappointments. But through their love for each other and their faith in God, they got to share a happy ending together. So here it is. I love you through it all. The love story of Elkanah and Hannah. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramatham Zophan of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephratite. And he had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Look in verse number 20. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she had said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then will I bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. Look in chapter 2 and verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the privilege it is to be able to come to your house and open the word of God. I pray that you would help us as we look into the scripture at this love story today. May we be reminded of things. May we be challenged in our marriages. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Here are just a little background of uh, the story of Elkanah and Hannah. There was a, a few problems here in their marriage that they had. And one big problem that they had was that Elkanah had two wives. I don't know exactly how this came about, but I do have a suspicion here 
that Hannah was his wife. He says I, I, he loved her. The Bible said he had this fervent love for Hannah. And so she could not have children. And in their day, that was a big deal to have kids. I mean, that was even for the, the man. It was his legacy passing on. It was his namesake. And so it was a big deal for a man, especially a man of means, to be able to pass that on. And Hannah could not do that for Elkanah. And so here comes his other wife into the picture, and she had lots of kids, it sounds like. I mean, she, had, she was able to give Elkanah children. There was a problem. You know, women were viewed by this culture as property. Now, the Bible never says that, but the culture said that. God said he created man and he created woman in the likeness of God made he them. So God created man and God created woman and he meant them to be together and to serve him together. But in the culture of that day, it was like women were were property. The culture taught this and, you know, the kings would have multiple wives and it would signify political alliances you know Solomon had all these wives and all these concubines and sometimes people just excuse it well he was a king and and he had all these political alliances and he did but you know I'm a male I'm of the male species and I know that these women drew him away from God and the Bible said that they turned his heart from seeking the Lord and so God is not pleased with that. And God did not design things to be that way, but their culture taught that it was okay. And our culture promotes women today as objects. You know, Hollywood doesn't make movies about smart women, do they? Very rarely, if you're here, I'm, I'm sure there are, but very rarely will you hear of a movie about a woman who's smart. But you will see a plenty of movies. They make movies about beautiful women, right? They make movies about sexy women. I mean, it's just the way Hollywood promotes women as objects in our society. Women are like conquest for men. Even among independent Baptists, you see it in, in the way sometimes we talk, in the way we treat our wives, and the way wives are talked about. You know, we have this attitude, uh, my woman has to be in subjection to me. And she's the Bible says, after all, the Bible does say that, Right. The woman is to be in subjection to the man. And so I'm in charge. I'm the leader. I'm the head. And I am the man of the house. And so we view our women as an object to get exactly what we want. She should give me everything I want in life, even among those religious people of our day that we would say the independent Baptists, we would say the cream of the crop. Now listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. So the language of Ephesians chapter 5 does not support the mentality that a lot of people have today toward women, especially of, of our ranks of independent Baptists, as we say, the view of conquering women comes from this world system, not the Bible. You know, a woman, if she stands before God, and if God were to say, open up to Ephesians chapter 
5 is her job to, she'll give an account of being subject to her husband, of letting her husband take the lead. But you know what, the man, the male of the marriage, you know what he'll have to give our account to God for? For loving his wife. Now wait a second, that doesn't add up to what a lot of times we've been taught, now does it? And then the Bible even goes even further. Saw all men to love their wives as their own bodies. Wait a second. Hold on. For no man yet ever hateth his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherisheth it, even as Christ the church. So there's a lot of views about women today that are not right. And we see views about women in even Hannah's day that it was not right. She was that women were not treated right. And women today are not looked at in the right way. Women are not treated right. They're not talked about in the right way. A lot of times men talk down to their wives. And that's not right. That's not biblical. That's not the way God intended a marriage relationship to be. And only that, the other problem, Hannah could not have children. This was an embarrassment to her. It was so embarrassing to her that Peniah, the other wife, the other woman in this marriage, we see why this is such a problem. She began to, she began to provoke Hannah. She made Hannah fret because Hannah didn't have any children. I mean, you see this controversy here, and nowhere does it say that Elkanah ever loved Peniah, but it says that he loved Hannah. And so look at how this relationship problems that came in there. Her adversary, she provoked Hannah. They had, they had problems in their marriage in this love story that we see of Elkanah and Hannah. But let's just, as we look in the Bible today, I'll love you through it all is the title of our, our, our lesson today, the love story of Elkanah and Hannah. You can love through it all by, number one, listening to each other listening to each other. Look in verse number 8. Then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? There's a, the power of attention in marriage. He noticed what she was going through. You know, your spouse goes through things just like you do. Just stop and take notice sometimes. Show some sympathy. You know, if my wife is upset about something, obviously it was important enough to her for her to be upset about. And as Elkanah, is, he's taking care of Hannah and he's doing his best to show that he loves her. He's giving her things. He's trying to take care of her. And he sees that she's upset and he notices this. And he, he addresses it. He, he paid attention to the needs that she has. What your spouse goes through on a day-by-day basis. You know, I think about my wife sometimes. She is, we've been very blessed. She's been able to be a homemaker since we have been married. The day we got married, she stayed at home and she's been able to, we've been able to do that. My health has held up and she has been able to take care of the house and be homeschool our children. But sometimes housework can be overwhelming. I mean, housework never ends. Have you ever tried to do a load of dishes as a man around the house? I mean, I've tried to do a load of dishes and thought, man, look at all these dishes. I load the dishwasher, turn it on, and there's still a whole nother load. So let me do this by hand. Let me do all this by hand and dry it while the dishwasher's running. And now I clean the sink up. And wow, you come back 30 minutes later and there's three cups, four plates. 
It never, ever stops. I mean, you clean the floor, you sweep the floor. How are there always crumbs in the floor? I mean, it just never, ever ends. And you get the bathroom spotless. I mean, you work so hard. It is so hard to clean a bathroom. And you go so, you have to stoop down so low that I've cleaned the toilet. And that toilet is sparkling. It is just beautiful. It's got the blue water where we put the chemicals in it to make sure everything's nice and clean. And you come back a few minutes later, it seems like, and man, there's clothes in the floor and Lord knows what else is on the floor. And oh my goodness, what has happened? I told them to brush their teeth and there's toothpaste on the wall. I mean, housework never ends. It's never ending. You know, kids, kids always have needs. It, they always need something, especially when they're little. I mean, there's never a time when they're awake that they don't need anything. It's like, thank the Lord, my four-year-old, thank the Lord, she's finally asleep. I mean, she needed something the whole time. She's got to have attention. Something's wrong. She's stomped her toes. She's hurt her knees. She's, she's rolling around with the dog, and now the dog's acting like he's going to bite her, and in all this constantly something. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I mean, it never ends. And sometimes, you know, we've worked all day. I've worked all day. I come home and I don't realize that my wife has been working probably harder than I have. But take time to notice things that your wife is going through. You know, you come home from work and she looks like she's about to pull her hair out and she's sitting at the table crying and you think, my goodness, I wish I could have been at home all day. And we don't realize that she has been going through things. So the attention, the power of attention. And, you know, sometimes the husband goes through things and the wife never realizes it. I mean, we go to work and we deal with all these temptations and you go to work and you're on a high. I'm a morning person. I like to get up early and drink a hot cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And I'm my best when I first wake up. I mean, I jump out of bed and I am ready to go. And I go to work and I'm just whistling Dixie and I'm ready to go. And I come in and I'm looking for a plan and I'm planning my day. And, and everybody else isn't like that, right? And so I get, I find out real fast that other people are not that way. And so sometimes I get chewed out at work and sometimes I have stressed out bosses who who belittle me and sometimes I have stressed out bosses that do things that make absolutely no sense talk about frustrating I mean man they must know a whole lot more than me because that really made absolutely no sense and why did I get in trouble for trying to do what's right and, and then I come home and I'm just tired and I just want to be through. I want to just relax for a few minutes. And sometimes the wife needs to understand that her husband has been through a hard day. He's had a hard day at work just to pay attention to one another. The, there is a value in paying attention and noticing that your spouse is suffering. Men especially are just terrible. I mean, your wife is crying. I mean, she's had the worst day of her life. And you didn't even notice she was over there at the table. I mean, you came home and got the newspaper out or got your tablet out or your phone or whatever we do today. And, but there's a comfort in knowing that your spouse loves you and cares enough to pay attention. There's a comfort of words. Elkanah tried to comfort her with words. 
You know, Satan puts us down all the time with words, doesn't he? He whispers words in our minds. It's, I don't know how he has a way of doing that. But you know what? Whenever you try to do something for the Lord, especially, you're going to make a special effort. Here we go. We've got the track of the day challenge at church, right? Give a track out to somebody, witness to somebody every day during the month of September. You know the devil is going to put all sorts of distractions in your way. He's going to put all sorts. He's going to put you down all day and remind you of everything that you've ever done wrong and how terrible you are. Satan attacks with temptation and distraction, but words can also be used to comfort and strengthen your love for one another. You know what? There's enough people putting us down today. Spouses should put each other up. Instead of putting each other down, lift each other up. You know what? A man who doesn't have confidence, if he knows his wife is behind him, he thinks he thinks he can turn the world upside down just to know that my wife believes in me, the comfort of those words, and a wife that knows her husband is paying attention to, to her and that cares about her and that cares so much that he's willing to offer words of comfort, the comfort of words, the value of just being there. You know, you don't always have to have the answers. <clears throat> I've learned that about my wife. I like things to be black and white. I like things to be simple. I like things to be easy to figure out. Just we don't always have the answer to what we're going through. But sometimes just being there for each other is what's important. The value of just being there, being there for one another. Number two, trusting each other. Trusting each other. In verse number 23 of chapter, chapter 1, And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, do what seemeth thee good, tarry until they have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. So Elkanah was taking his family as he did every year to the temple where Eli was to make sacrifice, to take a sacrifice to the Lord and to worship the Lord as they all did on a yearly basis as they were supposed to do. Uh, the, the commandments of the Jewish law. And so uh, Hannah said she didn't want to go. She didn't want to go until Samuel was weaned. And she had a reason for that. So Elkanah had enough confidence and enough trust in her. He said, okay, you stay here and we'll go. You stay here, we'll come back for you. So he understood. He had patience with her. He trusted her. And trusting each other is a is a good way to strengthen your marriage. Your marriage is a ministry. The ministry of marriage. The most important ministry that a man has is a ministry to his wife. It's his first and most important ministry. And the second most important ministry is the ministry to your children. You know, a man is a failure in ministry if he fails to minister to his own family. There is no ministry more important. There are are no career ambitions more important than your wife? No ambitions more important than your, your marriage. And we read in Ephesians the role of the wife and the role of the husband and the things that they have to give account for. The husband will give account of how he loved and treated and respected his wife. The first ministry. How many people do you know that have been big in the ministry and little in their marriage? That's a failed ministry. If you're big in your career, I'm putting everything in my career. I'm going to be successful in my career. But you fail in your marriage. You failed in what God wants you to do. 
trusting each other in the ministry of marriage, the secrets of marriage. You know, your spouse knows more about you than anyone in the world. When we made those vows to each other and we stood in a church house or wherever you were when you made the vows to your spouse, we opened ourselves up to one another and we shared our lives with one another. You give your heart, your life, even your body to your spouse. I mean, it's the most sacred relationships that mankind knows of is the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage, the way that God intended it to be. There's a trust that occurs in marriage that occurs in no other relationship. It takes a lifetime of two people together to become one. I mean, some people, they make their wedding vows and their divorce long before they ever realize what it's like to really be one, to really be one together, trusting each other in the secrets of marriage, the joy of just knowing each other. There's no one in the world that knows me the way my wife knows me. She knows things about me that no one else in the world knows. In fact, she knows the faults that I have. I mean, she knows things about me that could destroy me. I mean, she knows me better than anybody, and I know her better than anybody. The secrets of marriage, the vulnerability in marriage. When we Say those vows to one each, each other. We make ourselves vulnerable. We put ourselves out there. We give our hearts, our lives, our bodies to each other. Give everything to your spouse. You know, that's why divorce hurt, hurts so bad. That's why it just hurts so bad. You've opened yourself up to somebody and you have given your heart and your life and you've given everything. You've turned everything over to another person. We're one now. We had two separate lives. We made this vow. Now we're one. You made yourself vulnerable and someone betrays that and and you end up divorced. And how heartbreaking it is. You know, when we say our wedding vows on a wedding day, we have all these intentions and all these ambitions and we're just in love with each other. And when things fall apart, it just hurts. I mean, it just hurts. You see the pain in people's faces. My job that I have, sometimes people will come in to where I work and they'll want to pick up a letter. We have what's called a certified letter at the post office. And people come to pick up their certified letters. You know what one thing that people send certified? is divorce papers. And you wouldn't believe the people that come in and they're picking up their divorce papers and the, their face and how it hurt, you know, when they're signing, they're signing, they know what it is, just the hurt in their eyes, how painful it is to open up your life to someone and then to share so much, to make yourself so vulnerable. And now things are just falling apart. I mean, it's just crushing. But you know what? You can have a marriage that's strong by trusting in each other, by building that trust in one another. Number three, believing in God together. In chapter 2, we read where Hannah and Elkanah came on their yearly visit, and Samuel was a child now ministering to the Lord. God had given her a child, and his name was Samuel, and she left Samuel at the temple. She gave Samuel to the Lord, and it was there that Samuel uh, served and ministered with Eli, and Samuel, of course, became a great prophet of the Lord. They came back, and they visited, and Hannah brings 
a coat for the child, a little coat, the Bible says. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So God blessed them for their faith in him. Hannah had enough faith when God finally gave her a child to give that child back to God. And she literally gave that child to God. I mean, she took him to the temple and dropped him off and left him with Eli. And he became a priest. He became a great prophet of the Lord. But God honored their faith. Faith is the bonding element of love. You know what? The picture of marriage is only complete when the couple seeks the Lord together. The picture of marriage is complete when a couple worships God together. The picture of marriage is complete when the couple draws close to God together. That's when the real picture of marriage and what a beautiful picture it is to a lost world to see a picture of Christ and his church. No wonder the devil hates marriage so much. It's such a beautiful picture of Christ. We fall in love and we get married and we say these vows to each other. And then we spend our lives living together and becoming one. And then when we seek the Lord and we worship God together, it just completes that picture. And people look at us and they see the picture of the gospel through the life that we live together. Faith is a bonding element of love. Faith is the key to success in marriage. A successful marriage is grounded in faith. A successful marriage depends on the resources of God. A successful marriage depends on how we use the Bible, how we utilize the Holy Spirit, and how we utilize the local church. The faith is the key to success in marriage. Faith is the victory that overcomes. You know what? When we come into marriage and we bring our past problems, don't we? We all have past And we all have problems in our life. And we bring those into our marriage. And faith is the victory that overcomes those things. And we have faith together, believing together, believing in God together. Faith is a victory that overcomes. You know, even our problems in marriage can make us more like Jesus. You know what? When your spouse is hurting you, when your spouse says something that hurts you and your marriage is in turmoil... You know who can understand what you're going through more than anybody else? The Lord can. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to completely give himself to somebody and then reject him. So even when we have problems in our marriage, it can make us more like Jesus. The pieces of our marriage can be put together by faith in the Lord. I love you through it all, through this love story of Hannah and Elkanah. You can love through it all by listening to each other, by trusting each other, and by believing in God together. And God has something amazing planned for your marriage. God has something amazing planned for my marriage, and God has something amazing planned for yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is again to come to your house and Lord, to open up the pages of Scripture and realize just how great you are and realize just how mighty you are. Thank you for the privilege it is to be married and to have a family. May our marriages be 
a reflection of Christ in the church the way that you intended it to be. We ask these things in your name. Amen.